It's June in the Capital Region, the kickoff of high school graduations, wedding seasons, summer, and pride. Coming up on this episode of The Eagle, we'll go over the week's top headlines. If the bear who was in Washington Park on Tuesday is listening to this podcast, stay in the Catskills. Do not come back. And we'll take a look at the top issues in the final hours of this year's legislative session in Albany. For the most part, you you know where things are going to lie on on major issues, and they're going they're going to pass. If the governor and the, the Senate Majority Leader and the Assembly Speaker want it, it'll happen. This is the Eagle, a Times Union podcast. A look inside our newsroom. I'm Jessica Marshall. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer, and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome to The Eagle. I'm Jessica Marshall. First up, let's discuss what appeared in the Times Union and on timesunion.com this week. All right, we're back again after a two-week hiatus here with Times Union Editor-in-Chief Casey Seiler. Let's talk about what happened this week, what appeared in the paper and online. We'll we'll start with the fact that we are now coming to the end of the very first legislative session uh, since Governor Kathy Hochul took office. Uh, Now, we're going to talk more about some of the kind of particulars of the last day here in Albany. That'll be later in the podcast uh, with our Capitol Bureau reporter, Josh Solomon. But for now, can you give us kind of a 35,000 foot view of the highlights from this past session? Yeah, I mean, the uh, obviously the session is always sort of bifurcated. The first half is uh, dominated by the budget negotiation. You know, the state's fiscal year ends at the end of March. So the budget, at least ostensibly, has to be settled by the beginning of April. We were a little bit late this year, but not too much. And um, this year, the budget was robust, uh, a historic size to it largely due to the fact that um, the state benefited from a huge infusion of federal pandemic aid. Uh, And the general rule is that when times are tight, when the pocketbook is empty, that's when the budget negotiation goes well. When uh, we are flush with cash, that's when it can get difficult because everybody wants to sort of fund their own initiatives. I think that this year kind of put the lie to that a little bit because the the budget did go relatively smoothly. And perhaps that is uh, has something to do with this it being kind of a honeymoon budget for Governor Hochul. There were, of course, headwinds around criminal justice reform, uh, what Democrats have have categorized as reform and Republicans, of course, have done their best to to characterize as you know, giveaways to criminals. Um, And they will continue hammering that in this election year. The second half of the session was a little bit sleepier. But of course, as I know you're going to discuss with Josh, the, the final weeks have been absolutely defined by legislative and executive chamber response to the back to back horrible mass shootings in Buffalo, which is, of course, the governor's hometown and in Uvalde, Texas. And a number of uh, fresh gun control laws have 
have been voted on or are being voted on even as we speak. And I think it's it's fair to say that this is really the most sweeping package of gun control laws uh, since the SAFE Act, which of course uh, was passed in uh, early 2013, just weeks after the, the killing at Sandy Hook Elementary. Stay tuned for later in this podcast. We'll talk more about that. And we will talk more about it, of course, on our Capital Confidential section on timesunion.com. All right. Uh, Here in Albany this week, a state Supreme Court awarded a very substantial award to the family of the victim in a wrongful death suit against Albany Medical Center Hospital. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah. Michael Melkonian was a court of claims judge um, who went to Albany Med in 2019 having a heart emergency. The care he got there became uh, the subject, the, the contention at the heart of a lawsuit brought by his widow and his two children. A jury uh, found for the family and awarded a combined $7.6 million. That is a huge payout for the family and a serious judgment against Albany Med whose attorneys characterized the judge's death as a tragedy, but not an example of negligence. The question was whether or not he received proper care when he showed up at the emergency room in what, of course, turned out to be a fatal cardiac episode. So uh, really an enormous payout, capping off not a very good week for Albany Med, which is facing Another lawsuit, this one brought by um, Jamaica Miles, who was a prominent social justice advocate who claims that she was canned by uh, Albany Med because of her activism only weeks after her hiring. All right. Well, that uh, again, more on that on timesunion.com. Sticking with some tragic news here, there were multiple highway fatalities this week in the region. Uh, they were remarkably tragic and drew enormous traffic on our website. Uh, so can you give us a summary of, of these kind of horrific events? You know, it was, of course, the Memorial Day weekend. Unfortunately, that often results, holiday weekends tend to result in accidents related to, allegedly related to alcohol intake. And, and tragically, this Memorial Day weekend was no different. Katrin Fisher lost her life over the weekend as allegedly as the result of a 22-year-old who was under the influence slamming into the back of her Honda Civic. Um, She was 22 and uh, his Tesla basically uh, forced her car into the guardrail where it caught fire. Really just a, a terrible accident. And then also we had this absolutely bizarre case of the body of a man who died on the throughway uh, going unnoticed for 12 hours. Uh, Michael Tran, who was 48, wasn't um, found until uh, the late morning on Tuesday. He walked away from a crash where apparently Tran was driving the wrong way and uh, got into a collision and uh, apparently got out of his car, apparently not visibly injured at that point, and then died or was struck not far from from where the collision occurred. So a really bizarre case. 
Absolutely. And I'm not going to lie, there's been a lot of news this week in the last two weeks that has been really tragic and hard to read about. Um, but we're going to end on a lighter note, uh, end this segment on a bit of a lighter note. Uh, we had here in Albany a fuzzy interloper who made news um, and added to our tally of wild animals spotted around the city. Uh, what happened this week? Yeah, Tuesday morning uh, on sort of the northern edge of Washington Park in downtown Albany, kind of right along State Street, a bear was spotted and then went up a tree. And uh, DEC uh, responded. They very carefully uh, tranquilized the bear, uh, (laughs) causing the two-year-old 150-pound animal to uh, fall into the net. <laughs> the The video of the animal falling into the net makes you <laughs> wish they perhaps held the net a little bit higher. Um, but- uh, yeah, I thought that too. Yes, uh, and the bear was uh, checked out and, uh, and relocated to the Catskills. Now, as you noted, there have been cases of other bears that have wandered into you know, uh, what we might call uh, civilized areas, including a a bear who showed up on the UAlbany campus, was relocated, and then came back. And I believe, uh, if memory serves, this was several years ago, that bear ultimately had to be put down, I guess would be the term of art. Um, So if the bear who was in Washington Park on Tuesday is listening to this podcast, stay in the Catskills. Do not come back. We love visitors, but not you, please, for your own good, stay there in the bucolic mountains south of the capital region. Yes, I, I enjoyed uh, the DEC commissioner, uh, Basil Sagos's uh, picture of the bear in the wild after he was released. That was that was nice to see that there was kind of a happy ending there. Yes. All right, Casey, thanks so much. We will check back in with you next week. Great, Jess. Thanks. As always, you can learn more about all of the topics and issues that we discuss on this podcast at timesunion.com. After the break, lawmakers in Albany are wrapping up and heading home. We'll talk about what they did before the end of this year's session. If you're enjoying this podcast, take advantage of all the Times Union has to offer and support our efforts to bring in you award-winning journalism by becoming a Times Union member today. Go to timesunion.com slash subscribe. Welcome back. You're listening to The Eagle, a Times Union podcast. I'm Jessica Marshall. Thursday was the final scheduled day of the legislative session that began in January. Lawmakers from across the state rushed to wrap up their business in Albany. Just before the 11th hour, I caught up with Times Union Capitol Bureau reporter Joshua Solomon to see what was going on at the Capitol. So so the issues that they are still kind of wrangling with at the, you know, the very 11th hour of the session, I should say, are, are issues that have feeding off of what's happened kind of nationally, right? So the issue with the leaked Supreme Court decision uh, on Roe v. Wade, potentially overturning Roe v. Wade, and the horrific mass shootings that have happened in the the last couple of weeks. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. The legislature wanted to act on, on gun rights and gun violence one way or the other, but they expanded their package to really kind of hone in on what happened in Buffalo and try to plug those loopholes 
close those loopholes uh, while they can. And nonetheless, the big ticket items have become national items. Sure. And you, as you said earlier, people seem to be pretty united on these fronts, right? There's going to be plenty of back and forth and plenty of opposition, but it just won't change the outcomes. The Republican Party spent, you know, a couple hours yesterday opposing legislation on micro-stamping, which it's opposed for over a decade in New York. What is that exactly? It's to leave an imprint, essentially, on, on ammunition when shot from, from a firearm when it's discharged. It's to basically leave an impression so that investigators can trace it back to a gun and, and try to help their investigations when it's coming coming down to gun violence, especially gun violence. Lawmakers have pointed to instances, say, in, in Albany, where there may be a series of shootings and maybe it's involving the same illegal gun that's kind of passing hands and wanting to make sure and have a, a firmer case and a better way to figure out who may be perpetrating the crime so that folks who are the victims of the crime can have a better chance of justice. What are some of the other specifics that they're considering? So the the big ticket one is they want to raise and they plan to raise the age to purchase a semi-automatic rifle from 18 to 21 years old. Uh, the governors often went to the, to the line that you can't purchase a drink until you're 21. So we should raise the age to, to 21 for a semi-automatic rifle. She's also pointed to the fact that both the shooter in Ubaldi and in Buffalo were 18. And I should note that people in their late teens right now have spent the last couple of years doing remote learning, isolated from their peers oftentimes uh, during the pandemic, and then have turned 18. And, and, and these two horrific instances then went out and purchased a firearm when they were legally able to. So they're looking to delay that time. They're also looking to make it more difficult to purchase a semi-automatic rifle at large, which is to, you need to get a permit like you would for a handgun for a pistol. There's issues with what they call AOWs, any other weapons. Lawmakers said that basically the state put forward very stringent gun laws, especially after Sandy Hook, and gun manufacturers figured out ways to sell firearms that could be modified to get around New York's laws. And they're saying we need to fix that. And to fix that, they're going to pass another law. And they always go back to the fact of if they want to be successful, the success has to come from Congress. It has to be federal policy that cracks down on guns. They're going to try to continue to do patchwork legislation to do what they can to both increase public safety and at least show that they want to increase public safety. Is that in line with what the governor wants? Absolutely. The governor is getting what she wants wholesale, getting more of what she wants in some cases. Originally, she asked for AR-15s to to be raised the age to 21. And in this case, legislature said, we'll do you one better. We'll raise it for all semi-automatic rifles. Obviously, Republicans have been extremely opposed to these measures. They do not like the idea of restricting people's Second Amendment rights. There's likely to be legal challenges on all of these that will go through the courts and will delay or you know, cause issues with it. And, and some of it will stand and some of it won't. But they're going to try to do what they can. And right now it's 
for the most part, you you know where things are going to lie on on major issues, and they're going mm-hmm. they're going to pass. If the governor and the, the Senate Majority Leader and the Assembly Speaker want it, it'll happen. Now let's move over to the other major issue that you mentioned earlier, which was protecting the right to abortion. What's going on there? Again, they're passing a substantial amounts of legislation to try to further enshrine the right to an abortion in New York State. There's a limited amount of what New York can do. And the, I guess the, the upper bound of what they would like to do, and this is the one that remains a question mark in the final hours, is whether they're going to try to put forward a constitutional amendment to completely enshrine the right to an abortion in the state's constitution and a host of other reproductive rights and just rights of folks. And uh, there's some debates over the language of it. A constitutional amendment wouldn't come for another two years uh, onto the ballot for people to vote on. And so if they don't do it now, it'll get delayed another year, essentially. And, And so there's some back and forth on that. But the big things are they're going to try to increase access to abortion in New York, both for people who live here and people who don't live here. They're going to try to subsidize to, you know, probably a small extent, but they're going to try to subsidize people coming in who who some lawmakers have called abortion refugees to New York's borders and help them expense those costs. They're going to help people who are trying to get telemedicine from a New York doctor and protect the New York doctor from liability if they're prescribing something to someone who's in another state, they're going to increase the security at health clinics, probably fairly significantly expecting there to be, unfortunately, you know, dangerous situations that could arise. So they're going to do what they can. And they've been looking at a lot of very dense policy points to make sure that there's no stone that they can't turn over. Is there anything that they have gotten through yet that we can definitively talk about as having happened? Yeah, so they passed the Adult Survivors Act. And the Adult Survivors Act is like the Child Victim Act, which the CVA passed a couple years ago. And uh, the clock on it just ran out and reopened the window for people who were sexually assaulted or harassed when they were children to be able to file a suit against uh, the person that they're alleging the assault from and or the or rape or, or harassment, whatever it may be. And so they now opened it up regarding adults. And ultimately, they opened it up and said, if this happened to you, you can now file your case and you can have your day in court. It was uh, an emotional day in, in Albany when, you know, a group of women who've been fighting for this legislation finally saw it through and the governor signed it in uh, in the Red Room and, you know, a very elaborate day. And and so that was one of the big feathers in their cap so far to, to open up this window and, and allow uh, folks to have their day in court. All right. Well, I highly encourage everyone listening to this to check out our Capital Confidential section on timesunion.com. But before I let you go, I want to ask you a question. This has been your first year covering New York State politics and government. you have any thoughts on your your first legislative session that you want to share? Uh, it's been a quiet year. You know, we <laughs> had two governors, three lieutenant governors, 
uh, <laughs> it's it's been uh, you know it's been as build. Um, Albany has had a lot of twists and turns, and just because certain people are in power doesn't mean that things are going as planned. And uh, and we expect to continue to hold those people accountable for for what they say they're going to do and what they end up doing. So it's been it's been a good time to work at the Times Union and, and have this opportunity. So I've been really thankful to have a chance to see how the sausage is made in New York and be able to have some thoughts about that. And for my part and our part, we're grateful to have you, grateful to have thrown you in the fire there. All right, Josh, thank you so much. Uh, and we will surely check back in with you the next time uh, there are some major happenings in Albany. Sounds good. Thanks so much for having me. All right, that's it for this week. I'm Jessica Marshall. We'll be back next week with another look inside the newsroom here at the Times Union. In the meantime, check us out on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram, or head on over to timesunion.com for the latest news and features. The Eagle is a production of the Times Union. It's produced and edited by me, Jessica Marshall, with help from the Times Union digital team and the newsroom. Special thanks to Casey Seiler and Joshua Solomon for their contribution to this episode.